Good morning and welcome to the Rhine River Baptist Church. Uh, it's good to have everybody with us online as well as here in person. It was cold this morning when I woke up. I could see frost on the window. So for you getting up and making it to church this morning, uh, some people had a little bit more trouble getting up than other people. And I appreciate the effort that was put in. So um, as we get ready to start this morning, um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12. So I'll let you have a little bit of time to get there. Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12. And I just want to say, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, it's good for us to stop, take a little bit of time, and give thanks for what God has given to us. Um, if you stop and think back of what, where we could be as opposed to where we are right now, um, it's where would the world be without Christianity? I mean, we wouldn't have hospitals, we wouldn't have libraries, we wouldn't have schools. You know, Robert, yes, I know, school, okay, but it, it's a small price to pay. Um, but schools, you know, all of these things are good things that God has given to us. So um, we're going to go ahead and read Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12, and then we'll pray. See, it says this, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus saith unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have uh, brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves and five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves and the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you uh, concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of uh, of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. Uh, thank you for uh, just the way that you give it to us and the, uh, the, the timing that you would give it. Uh, Lord, I pray you would help us to understand just a little bit better today uh, what you were meaning here uh, with being... Uh, to beware of the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, to beware of their doctrine. Uh, Lord, I pray you would just help us to understand this. You've said that if any man lacks wisdom, to come to you and you give it liberally to us. And I pray that you will help us today. I pray that if there's somebody that's watching that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, uh, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you as their Savior and they start to draw close to you. Uh, I pray that you'd be with Enders as he... Uh, works on getting here, uh, just help him on the, on the Strassenbahn system, that uh, that would all go smoothly and just keep him safe. Uh, we love you and praise you. We're looking forward to seeing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we start to look at this, uh, just the way it starts out and the, the way we're looking at it, we need to go back and remember what has just taken place in the last two chapters. Now, I know we've done this a couple of times, but I think it's important for us to keep going back and remembering 
what has just happened because with Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000, we, we hear that story and we tend to forget about it. And then we hear, oh, he fed another group of people, 4,000 of them, and then we forget about it. And, and if I'm not mistaken, he fed another group of people in Samaria, and we forget about it, that he was the bread of life. When he stands up and says, I'm the bread of life, you've got to eat of me, he's talking about something totally different. And so many people take the doctrine wrong so you've got to go back and remember where he's come from what he's trying to teach and, and what he has done so we've already talked about him feeding the the five thousand in in chapter 14 verses 13 through 12 and then the four thousand in verse in chapters 15 through 30 uh chapter 15 verse 31 through 38 uh you also ought to remember uh he healed a, a lady's daughter and the conversation that was going on around that, do you remember what the conversation was with the lady that had the daughter that had the demon? She wasn't even an Israelite. And he said, it's not meat for me to give the bread from the children to dogs. And she says, but even the dogs eat the bread from off the table. And, and as I'm looking at this, it, it seems odd to me that they're talking about bread again here. They're talking about this bread that Jesus is, is giving. And it's not just food that he's giving to them. He's giving them something more. Um, uh, he's also had a situation where he's been dealing with the Pharisees and, and they condemned the disciples for eating bread with unwashed hands. Again, they're talking about bread. So you've got this situation where they're talking about bread, but now they're taking it from a physical illustration to a spiritual illustration and i think that's something that is hard for us to comprehend sometimes and hard for us to see where does this happen and, and how does this work but we should know that the physical world is just a shadow if you will of the spiritual world uh, i've heard so many pastors talk about this i, I think it was um uh, now i've lost his name tory um, that, that made the statement that um, the, the spiritual world is so much more real than the physical world. Uh, and, and just think about it. When you think about things that are real in your life, what are things that are real? Uh, you have a car, but eventually you're going to give that car up. You have an apartment, but you're going to give that apartment up one of these days. But the love that you have for your spouse, for your children... That stretches across oceans, and it stretches throughout time. I mean, even to this day, I had a dream even just last night about my father-in-law. It was interesting, just a short blip, but he was influential in my life, and I, I dreamed about him seeing him, and I'm like, that's odd. So love is one of those things that it, it goes across time, and, and it's a spiritual thing. And, and sometimes we don't, we only think physically and, and we forget to focus on the spiritual side of things. So Jesus uh, here, he's already been talking about bread and now he's taking it to a different level. Uh, Jesus had been healing people as well. Um, and and the, the people that he healed, if you go back up into um, chapter 15, it says they were lame. 
They were halt. They, they were diseased. They brought them to him threw him threw them at his feet and he healed them all in other places it talks about him raising the dead from to life uh, when john the baptist sent and, and questioned are you the messiah he said wait just a second and he did a lot of miracles and then he says go and tell john what you saw the dead were raised the lame walked the deaf hear the blind see and the poor hear the gospel and and so as they're seeing this, as they're hearing this, this is supposed to confirm this is who he is. And then what do you find out uh, just a little bit before uh, in chapter 16? Jesus, is, they confront Jesus, both the Sadducees and the Pharisees in chapter 16. And they come to him and they say, show us a sign from heaven. They want to see a sign from heaven. And we talked about that last week, how that wasn't it enough to feed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and to heal all the sick? Wasn't that enough for them? What did they want to see? They wanted to see a sign from heaven where all the angels come back with him and they rule and reign and they don't have to show any type of faith at all. So keep that in mind as we move forward into this little bit of a lesson that he's giving here uh, with the Sadducees and Pharisees. He says, beware of the leaven uh, of the doctrine of the Sadducees and Pharisees. And the disciples, what's the first thing that happens here? Well, it's the first thing that happens in a lot of relationships. You say one thing and somebody totally misunderstands it. Has that ever happened to anyone else? You know, why were the disciples so, why did they misunderstand this so much? Why did they get so caught in a different train of thought i mean they're going down this way and jesus is going this way and the two are nowhere close they're thinking we forgot to bring bread uh what i find is so funny uh and this happens just about every monday uh every monday i get done with my workout i come home and, and take my shower get ready for work and then I come down and Daylene and I are having our conference. How are we going to run the week? And, and the subject always comes up. What's for lunch today? We don't have any leftovers from yesterday because you didn't cook yesterday. And so what are we going to do for lunch today? And, and the conversation always comes back to food. Because if you're a mom, you know this, right? You've got little mouths and big mouths sometimes. They want to eat every, what, three to four? four hours and if they don't get their food what happens i'm hungry i'm hungry give me something to eat can i eat a snack i want a cookie i want ice cream can you bake me a pie uh so and, and there well yeah i see i i'm special i get pies instead of other things sometimes and it's just it's amazing so but there's always that question of food. And back in the time of Christ, what, what did they do? They didn't have the McDonald's that they could go running to. Uh, they didn't have the local bakery that we do. It, it wasn't set up that way. When Jesus tells them, uh, when you pray, he say, give us this day our daily bread. That's what they had to pray about every day because it was a struggle to get bread every day. Um, Robert, do you ever think about where your food comes from i mean it it comes from the ground but then how does it get out of the ground you've got a farmer 
uh, or migrants in this area, if you've got carrots, those migrants have been out there working and working and working, picking all the carrots along the way or the radishes or the, the onions and, and putting them in boxes and stacking them up and all the work that goes into it. Have you ever had to dig up carrots? A couple of times? No? no? In your garden? Yeah. How much work does that take? Can you imagine doing that all day for five days out of the week and all, all the work that would go into that? Can you imagine trying to harvest enough grain to have wheat through the year? I mean, could you plant enough wheat in your garden to do that? Honestly, you probably could. With corn, if you could get your corn to grow, you could grow enough corn. But do you see how that, that food thing, in our day and age, we don't think about it very much because all you have to do is, even if you don't have money in your pocket, you pull out your credit card and you go and you can get some food. Or if you're a homeless person, oftentimes you can go and bitta, 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 and somebody will give you food. Uh, the Bible tells us, though, that a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. And, and I think we have hurt a lot of people because we have been willing to feed them. We've been so nice. We want to be so nice to people that we actually wind up hurting them and not helping them learn to fend for themselves. So the disciples, they had it. They had a just reason why they were thinking a whole different line. They had only, if you read, I think it's in Mark, they had only brought one loaf of bread for the whole 12 of them. Is that enough? Especially if it's a smaller loaf of bread, it's not nearly enough. But what had they forgotten? They forgot who they were with. I mean, if Jesus can feed the 5,000, could he not feed 13 people? You know, if he gets hungry, do you think he's going to let everybody starve or go hungry? I don't think so. And where were they? They were on the Sea of Galilee. They can go fishing and catch fish. He could make the fish jump in the boat if he wanted to. It, it was not a big problem for the food. But that's what they were thinking. And it's understandable to see how they were thinking that way. And do you see how he rebukes them? And I think in the rebuke, we get kind of a key of what the doctrine of the Pharisees is. The, the doctrine of the Pharisees was, uh, if we'll go back and read it, he says, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. They had a little bit. How much faith does it take to move a mountain? You know, we've heard this saying quite often, and I don't even have it in here. It, the, the, the amount that, of a mustard seed. It doesn't take a lot of faith. And so I don't know that Jesus was really rebuking them as, as much. Hey, Robert, go get the door. I don't know that Jesus was so much rebuking them as telling them, let's let this faith, this little faith that you've got here, get it to grow. Start working on it because you're going to need it. Um, and he says, then he goes back and reminds them of what he has been doing again. And what have we been talking about? Remembering what Jesus has just done. And, and I think that's so important for us. Um, before we got started, Evan and I were talking about the first, the pilgrims going over and how that they were called what was it, Browns? Uh, before they, because the pastor that they had followed was, his last name was Brown. Um, it's interesting because the Mennonites, where do they get their name from? Minnow Simons. Yeah. They, they get it from him. And, and so 
oftentimes the pastor of a group they would name the group after the pastor. So uh, don't start calling yourself Clarkites. That just, you know, Clarkinians. Clarkinians, yeah, that just won't go well. But um, as we think about this, though, uh, they were reminded to think back. And why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? It's to look back over the year that God has given to us. It's to look back over the past that God has given us and the freedoms that we have. I don't even think we realize the freedoms that we have in our day and age. Uh, we drive down the roads thinking this is the way it's supposed to be. It has, through all history, it's not been this way. It's just been within the last 50 years or so. Uh, after World War II, Europe calmed down a little bit. And why did Europe calm down after World War II? Did it have to? It could have gone on fighting like they had been doing for thousands of years. I mean, why did Europe stop fighting all of a sudden? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to rub that point in, but um, it didn't have to happen that way. Um, and, and so sometimes we forget. And Jesus goes back and he reminds them of the 5,000 and the 4,000. And the people that were healed and the different things. Remember these things. Remember these things because it's so easy to forget. Um, a book that I have read several times, and I would encourage it for Robert at about this age. It's a good book to read. It's a Narnia book. It's called The Silver Chair. Uh, the Silver Chair, you've got these two children. You've got... Um, uh, Eustace, I think it is, and Jill, and they're supposed to go together, but Jill makes a mistake, and Eustace falls off of a cliff, and Aslan comes along and helps him along, and now Jill has to take the message of, what are we supposed to do, and the last instruction is, remember, 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 and she forgets the first thing. And she keeps forgetting what she's supposed to be doing until the very last moment. No, this is what we're supposed to do. And they remember it just in the nick of time. That's the way we are so much of the time. We've got to remember and make a conscious effort to remember. And that's what Jesus is doing. What, what are the ordinances of the church? We've talked about this before, but the ordinances of the church are baptism, and the Lord's Supper. What's baptism to remind us of? Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's a picture of that. Uh, what's the Lord's Supper? The broken body and the broken and the poured out blood for us. And he tells us specifically, when you do this, remember me when you do this. So this idea of remembering what Christ has done is so vitally important for us uh, as we move forward uh, and, and it was for the disciples because what were they getting ready to face? They were getting ready to go through about three days, four days, where Jesus was dead. They were going to have to, what do we do? And, and in the middle of that, what does John do, or what does Peter do after they, they've seen Jesus, he's risen, but Peter even then says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the life that I had. Why did he do that? Because he forgot. He forgot. And Jesus is just trying to remind them and bring them to the point of remembering who he is so that they can move forward. And then he continues on with, 
avoid the doctrine of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Well, what was the doctrine of the Sadducees and Pharisees? If we went through a whole class, we could take semesters delving into what was the doctrine of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in spirits. They believed only in the physical. That was completely wrong. Jesus states that emphatically. Have you not read, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. And everybody says, wow, that was an easy answer to that question. And, and But then you've got the Pharisees. What was their doctrine? Their doctrine was the word of God. We've got to follow it. If it says it, we have to follow it. And so they made all these rules trying to follow and stick to the word of God. And it took them away from what God was trying to point out in the word of God. What was their doctrine? Their doctrine was, on the one hand, it was all physical. And on the other hand, it was all physical. Everything that they could see. What did they want? They wanted a sign from heaven. Something they could see. And, and Jesus is saying, Beware of this, O ye of little faith. Get your faith to grow just a little bit more. Uh, you might not understand it all, but you don't have to understand it all. Just trust me, O ye of little faith. Get your faith to grow. Just a little, step out by faith. And it's interesting. One of the commentaries that I read, and I loved this one, it's an older commentary, Matthew Henry. And, and he points out, maybe Jesus with his words and, and just all the that was going on, had allowed them to leave without the bread so he could teach them a lesson and get them to trust him a little bit more. And, and ha, did they not even think about that? They were blaming themselves for forgetting the bread when, when you look at it from a Calvinist point of view, God is sovereign over everything. And he allowed them to forget it. And he maybe... Somebody was getting ready to pick up the bag of bread and, and take it. And Jesus stops them and says, hey, wait a minute. I need you to go do this. And so they totally forgot about it. I think that's something that we don't even think about along the way. Christ is sovereign. And he could have reminded somebody to get the bread. But he didn't. He had a teaching moment for them there. He wanted, them, he wanted their faith to grow. So how does this apply to us in our day and age? What, what are some lessons that we can learn? Some things that I want us to pull out of this. First off, we need to understand that there are going to be misunderstandings. How do we deal with a misunderstanding? Because honestly, uh, in, in even a, a group this small, we, we've got a person from Russia, a person from South America. Uh, we've got a person from Ohio or so. And... Missourians and, and we all think different and so if you use a certain word it can mean one thing here and something totally different on the other side there are going to be misunderstandings how do we deal with misunderstandings they had a misunderstanding that they had to deal with um, we have to recognize that there are going to be misunderstandings and, and that's just a part of it um, but we need to be quick to listen and slow to get angry or slow to get agitated. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 19 tells us this. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I mean, this is one of those verses that my mom taught me 
fairly early on because I was a, I was a mad little kid, you might say. Um, I just was. I was mad all the time. And, and so when I would come home and, and I'd say, yeah, I got in a fight again today at school. And my dad says, you know, if you're in a fight every day at school with a different kid every day at school, maybe the problem isn't the other kids at school. Maybe the problem is you. And I'm like, who are you to tell me that? <laughs> and, and then it kind of dawned on me. He's my dad. And he can tell me something like that, and he's probably right. And that was one of the big help, biggest helps for me. But they taught me this verse because I was always so angry. Be quick to hear, or yeah, be uh, swift to hear, slow to speak. I, I was talking all the time. In fact, I don't know if I've told you this, but my nickname when I was a little kid was Wendy. Because I could talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And, and the builders that were building my grandparents' house, the house that my parents now live in, uh, I, I came down there one time and they said, we're just going to call you Wendy. I'm like, okay, that sounds fine to me. And I just kept going on with what I was saying. I had no clue what they were talking about. And they were just laughing the whole day at little Wendy there, uh, causing his own breeze or his own little tornado going through. But we need to be slow to speak. Yes. Maybe that word doesn't need to come out of your mouth. I know in our day and age, we, we have this philosophy that, oh, you just got to let it get out or, or else you're going to explode. That's the dumbest thing. Sometimes letting that word out causes an explosion. It, it does. Uh, sometimes you just need to swallow it back down and think it through again and go on and ask God, please help me to say the right things. But slow to wrath how often are we just so quick-tempered and the slightest thing will set us off we need to be careful this is something that i struggle with i i am not a slow to you say pastor really you get mad quick yes i do when it when it gets to that point and i lose it i'm gone and i'm gone quickly and i've got to remember to be slow to wrath so that's one of the first things to remember when, when you're dealing with um, misunderstanding is you probably don't know everything going on in the situation. Uh, another thing about misunderstanding, we need to, to assume the best, not the worst. How often do we assume the worst, not the best in a situation? Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and this is probably the key pin to the whole Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it says this. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Isn't that, the, you know, we've heard the golden rule. Yes, boys, I, I want a rough house, so let's, you know. I remember my mom saying, don't roughhouse in the house. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But I want him to hit me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I had a brother, so I had brothers. and yeah, We, we roughhoused all the time, and mom was, just not in the kitchen. So, okay, not in the kitchen. So we would go one step beyond the kitchen and roughhouse. And it would always spill back into the kitchen. But... How, how do we want people to view us? When we're having a bad day, don't we want a little bit of grace? 
Don't we want a little bit of room sometimes? Don't we want people to assume the best out of us? And how often do we assume the worst out of them? We assume that that look that you just gave me was the, the worst thing. We need to, that would clear up so much misunderstanding. And, and I've watched it in my own life. I, I have that same problem. I assume the worst. I, I need to start assuming the best. What's the next thing uh, that we see that Jesus is trying to get them to do? He's wanting them to remember uh, the kingdom of God first. They were looking at earthly things, physical things, and he was trying to get them to spiritual things and doctrine. What has he commanded us to do? What, what's the command that he has given to us? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What do we do most of the time? We're not seeking first the kingdom of God. We're seeking our political party. I mean, how many Thanksgiving dinners were messed up because politics came into the room? I mean, and, and especially this year, I'm sure it happened, uh, where people just could not get along and talk with each other. Uh, they're not seeking first the kingdom of God. Um, when we're seeking first the kingdom of God, what will that do for us? What, what will that cause us to do? Well, if you want someone else to be in the kingdom of God with you, what, what do you do? You share the gospel with them. Uh, you give them the truth of the word of God that there are two families. What families are there? There's God's family, and then there's another family we find in John chapter 8. And he tells the Pharisees, ye are of who? Your father, the devil. I mean, can you imagine him just saying that to somebody? We always think of Jesus as being this kind, polite, nice person that doesn't hurt anybody. Just like, and, and he wouldn't say something mean like that. But he comes up and says to him, you're of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father, ye will do. Yeah, that's, no, I'm not. He set off some some he was he was heaving verbal hand grenades if you will at that time but he needed them to see the the separation there there are only two families there there's not abraham's and then the court of women and then the gentile there's not these separate courts when you get into heaven it's god's family and satan's family and they're cast out and god's family is allowed in uh it doesn't get any more simple than that. But that's what he's trying to get them to. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Be willing to confront people. Sometimes one of the most hateful things you can do for somebody is not speak up and not confront their sin. Not confront the problem that they have. I mean, I love having little kids around because we learn so much from little kids. But we talked about this, I think, on Thursday night of... What do you do in the morning? You're trying to get out of the door. They have to brush their teeth. They have. Why do you make your kids brush their teeth? What's the whole purpose of brushing your teeth, Addie? Right, absolutely. So you don't get the black things in your teeth that hurt. Yeah, and, and you know you brush them often, and hopefully you won't have as many gold or silver-looking teeth as I have. Uh, you know, and, and I think I've done pretty well because now my dad, we, when we would go to Thanksgiving dinner with my dad, what would he do? He'd 
spit his teeth out and pull him back in and spit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, that was just something that the older generation did. And our generation, brush your teeth. Don't get rid of your teeth. Make sure you have your teeth. And it's like, okay. So, but now the newer gen, what do we do? We tell them to do things. They don't like doing it. They want to play. They want to eat candy. You have to do what you're supposed to do. And Jesus is, you say, how does that fit in with seeking first the kingdom of God? Well, sometimes you have to tell somebody, yes, you are going to die. Eventually, I know you don't think so as a 16, 17, 18-year-old, but you're going to die. And you're going to stand before God and have to give an account for your life. Isn't that a, a kindness? Keeping that from somebody is a cruelty. The last thing that I want us to, to, to think of we should also hold tight to the right doctrine. We need to hold tight to the right doctrine. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 tells us this. And, and I know Ephesians chapter 4, it's, this is a long run-on sentence here, but, and, and we're jumping right into the middle of it. I would encourage you to go home and read that whole section in Ephesians chapter 4. But uh, just verse 14, it says this, that we henceforth henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine uh, by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive do you realize the world is trying to deceive us satan is trying to deceive us all the time and we've got to know the word of god we've got to get close to the word of god who's the word of god it's christ get to know him Draw close to him. He will make himself known to, to us if, we, if we're willing to learn. Uh, but that was one of the things that the Sadducees and the Pharisees refused to do. They refused to spend time with him. They would come and, and sit and listen to him preach, and then they were gone. And when he would walk to the next town, they weren't with him. Uh, or some of them followed along just to catch his words. They weren't trying to understand him they were trying to catch him in what he was doing wrong have you ever noticed if somebody is is like that around you we see it in the media all the time that well this person said this thing i mean do you remember back down dan quayle yeah. uh, and they caught him misspelling a word and he lost an election because he misspelled a word and i'm thinking to myself I'm glad somebody else misspells word, but if that's the standard that you're trying to hold everybody to and then ignore the other things that go on, but as we are trying to catch and trying to pick at people, we realize that's not the way to go. We should love one another. We should care for one another. And as we draw close to Christ and love him and say, you know, I don't understand everything that you stated here, but please help me to understand it a little bit better. Do you think he'll help us to understand that? He gives the spirit uh, uh, of wisdom, the spirit of grace. When we talk about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, that wisdom, that spirit of wisdom, he gives that to us so that we can understand him a little bit better. If we would just be a little bit patient with it, not trying to pick what's wrong all the time, but trying to understand and admitting, I don't get it all the time. Just like our kids. I mean, Robert, I heard you did very well in your tests over the last week. Um, great. Uh, if you had a calculus test tomorrow in school, do you think you would do 
anything at all good with that. No, you, you're not there yet. Yeah, you would get a six in that. You'd probably get a seven in a calculus test. <laughs> but, you know, there are some, some people that they, they get it, they understand it, and other people don't. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about that you don't understand everything there is to understand about God yet. Because keep this in mind, he's God. He's so far above us. There's going to be things that we don't understand about him. And I think that's what draws so many people off is, well, I don't understand him all or all of him. So I'm not going to choose him yet. No, just follow him and he will reveal himself as he needs to. What are you doing with the doctrine of Christ that he died for us? That he died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what we're supposed to be preaching. And when we hold to his death, burial, and resurrection, we've got... We have eternity to learn the rest. We have eternity to learn the rest. So I hope you can take that to heart today. I hope you can learn something from what the disciples were going through there. And I hope you're looking forward to his soon coming. Because what's today? It's first at Advent. Um, he is coming again, and we ought to be looking for his coming. The pre-trib people might be wrong. Mid-trib, who knows what? But he is coming, and we better be looking for it and working towards it. So let's keep our, our focus where it should be. So uh, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. Uh, Lord, we love you. We're looking forward to seeing you. Uh, please help us to understand your word a little bit better and help us to uh, not just understand it, uh, but to do something with it. Uh, James tells us to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And, and that so often is what trips people up is they don't do anything with what, you, what you've given to us. Uh, Lord, I pray you would help us to be doers of your word. Help us to preach uh, the truth, help us to talk about it with those around us. Uh, help us to be seeking first the kingdom of God. Uh, we love you and praise you. Uh, I pray that you be with those that couldn't be with us today. Just watch over and protect them. Uh, those that might be sick, uh, raise them up. And, and I pray that you would just help us uh, that we would be a light for you here in Mannheim. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Enders, do you have a song? That... Okay. Okay.